Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Burger Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, June 24th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The Senate passes a bipartisan gun safety bill. Boris Johnson suffers a big defeat in the U.K. Stocks are on track for their first weekly gain in a month. And banks ace the Fed stress test. New York lawmakers react to the Supreme Court's decision on guns. Plus, a Long Island library admits it made a mistake in banning LGBTQ content. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. High drama in the Bronx. A ninth inning Yankee rally to stun the Astros. They held the NBA draft in Brooklyn. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures up 25 points. Dow futures up 170. And NASDAQ futures up 100. The DAX in Germany is up six-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury is little change. The yield is at 3.08 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 3.01 percent. Nathan. All right, Karen. We'll have more on the markets in just a minute. But first, the Senate has passed bipartisan gun safety legislation by a wide margin. We get the latest from Amy Morris in our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. It is being hailed as the biggest breakthrough on gun safety in 30 years. The bill will improve background checks, secure schools, and gives more funds to states to tamp down gun violence. Republican John Cornyn of Texas was one of the negotiators. Will it save lives? Will it save lives? And I believe the answer to that is yes. And that makes this worth doing. The House is expected to pass the bill and send it to President Biden's desk for his signature before leaving for a two-week recess. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, the Senate's action on gun safety comes after an altogether different move at the Supreme Court. The justices struck down a New York law that prevents most people from carrying guns in public. Republican Senator Rob Portman of Ohio says it's the right call. No, I think the president's uh, concern that this is dangerous or reckless. It just in real life, in real states where uh, this has been around for an awfully long time, you know, none of those concerns have occurred. But Democratic Senator John Ossoff of Georgia says this could set a dangerous precedent. Well, look, one of the things that I hear consistently across the state of Georgia uh, is strong support from law enforcement for common sense gun safety measures. Senators Ossoff and Portman spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. In the meantime, Karen, confidence in the Supreme Court has reached a new low. We get more on that live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. A Gallup poll measuring faith in institutions over 50 years shows many societal pillars are having a bad year. 
But the 11-point drop for the nation's highest court is about double the decline experienced by other institutions in the survey. Confidence in the Supreme Court this year has slid among Democrats from 30 percent to 13 percent and from 40 percent to 25 percent among independents. For Republicans, however, the Gallup poll says confidence has risen from 37 to 39 percent. Now, the poll was completed a few days before the high court's decision yesterday, striking down the New York gun law. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Another major story we're following this morning focuses on the insurrection at the Capitol. The January 6th committee's fifth session centered on pressure former President Trump put on the Department of Justice to help overturn the election. And Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has that story. It focused on the attempt to force the DOJ to throw out the slate of electors in Georgia to meetings that threatened assistant attorneys general, including Richard Donahue, saying that they would lose their jobs. He said, people tell me I should just get rid of both of you. I should just remove you and um, make a change in the leadership, put Jeff Clark in, maybe something will finally get done. Chair Benny Thompson. We've shown the inner workings of what was essentially a political coup. Thompson says the next session will focus on how Donald Trump summoned the mob to Washington and that violence became his last option. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. Also major political moves in Europe this morning. A big election defeat for Boris Johnson. Let's go live to London and get the latest with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan Karen. A double election defeat for the UK Prime Minister. Boris Johnson's Conservative Party losing two special elections, including one in a district where last time he secured 60% of all votes. Johnson says he will listen to voters after the defeat. But in a resignation letter this morning, the Conservative Party chairman said we cannot carry on with business as usual. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. Well, we also have some news on trade this morning. Bloomberg News has learned that the U.S. is set to escalate a claim that Mexico violated a free trade agreement. The dispute has to do with Mexican policies that favor state-run energy companies. A dragged-out conflict could lead the U.S. to impose tariffs on Mexico. Turning to markets now, Karen, the bounce back on Wall Street continues. Futures are higher, building on three straight days of gains for the S&P 500. The index has risen more than 3% during this holiday-shortened trading week. Rebecca Corbin, CEO of Corbin Advisors, says investors just want certainty. Even in a challenging economic backdrop, if they have certainty with regard to what to expect, the equity markets will decouple from the economic performance. Rebecca Corbin of Corbin Advisors notes the S&P 500 is on track for its first weekly gain in a month. Well, shares of financial companies are higher in early trading, Nathan, after banks aced the latest round of stress tests from the Fed. And we get this story from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. The Fed determined banks had sufficient capital to withstand a severe recession. Think of it as a worst case, surging unemployment, collapsing real estate prices, and a wipeout in equities. Now, the test also looked at whether trading operations at firms like J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, and Goldman Sachs could hold up against a hypothetical market shock. In all, the test assumed combined losses of $612 billion. So with passing marks, banks are now free to return $80 billion to their shareholders. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thank you. And shares of FedEx are also higher this morning. The delivery service company forecast annual earnings above estimates. Higher package prices are helping offset some operating snags tied to the labor shortage. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
Now 507 on Wall Street. We're at 63 degrees in Central Park. If you use the Long Island Railroad, heads up. Service is suspended between Greenport and Ronkonkoma. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York lawmakers are reacting to the Supreme Court's ruling striking down the state's century-old law limiting the right to carry a concealed handgun in public. Governor Kathy Ockel says the decision isn't just reckless, it's reprehensible. Heaven help us. Uh, if that's what they're going to continue doing with, with laws and having us go back to that time in history, unrelated to the current circumstances where we have a gun violence crisis on our hands. New York Mayor Eric Adams echoed Governor Hochul's remarks. We cannot allow New York to become the wild, wild west. That is unacceptable. Mayor Adams says the decision ignores the shocking crisis of gun violence every day engulfing not only New York, but our entire country. Former New York Mayor Bill de Blasio. Our law enforcement officials for decades have believed this kind of approach, these strong gun safety laws, are particularly important in a place like New York. And the Supreme Court just really spit in the face of law enforcement. Former Mayor de Blasio spoke on Bloomberg Sound On. Meanwhile, State Republican Committee Chairman Nick Langworthy says Democrats are trying to create fear and division over what he characterizes as legal gun owners' rights to protect themselves and their families. The New York City Council will hold a hearing at noon today on school budget cuts. Mayor Adams gave assurances that the reduction would coincide with falling enrollment rates. However, the council wants to look at the Department of Education's changes to the formula used to calculate how much money is allotted to each school. A Long Island Board of Trustees admits it was a wrong decision to ban LGBTQ content from the children's section of a library, including books and displays. The Smithtown Library Board of Trustees apologized and voted last night 4-2 to reverse a previous vote initially banning the content. The decision came after Governor Hochul called for an investigation. Walk-in appointments in a New York City temporary clinic giving monkeypox vaccines had to be halted. Officials say there was so much high demand at the Chelsea Clinic they couldn't accommodate walk-ins. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. Almost 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. Yankees and Astros have developed quite the rivalry. And here they are again. Two best teams in the American League. What a start to the four-game series at the stadium. Three-run homers all over early on. Alex Bregman, before there was an out recorded. Giancarlo Stanton, bottom of the first. Jordan Alvarez is 22nd of the year. It remained 6-3 Astros from the top of the third. To the bottom of the ninth, another three-run homer. This one from Aaron Hicks to tie the game at six, and the Yanks were not done. Another Aaron Judge came to the plate. And the 3-0. Line hard, deep to left field. Base hit. Trevino rounds third. He's coming home. Trevino scores. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees that's WFAN. Yankees 7-6 win. their 15th in a row in the Bronx. Longest home win streak since 1961. Judge will spend today at an arbitration hearing to determine if he makes $21 million this year or 17. The bigger issue, of course, with Judge is what happens 
after the season when he's a free agent. NBA draft in Brooklyn. The Nets didn't have any picks. The Knicks had the 11th pick, traded it to Oklahoma City, one of a few trades the Knicks made. In the end, they were able to rid themselves of Kemba Walker, whose return home to New York a year ago did not go well. Traded to Detroit. Pistons expected to buy Kemba out and be a free agent. Duke's Paolo Banquero taken first overall by Orlando. Rory McIlroy shot 62. He's got the opening round lead in Hartford. The Colorado Avalanche up 3-1 on Tampa Bay, and the Az tonight can win the Stanley Cup. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? John, thanks a lot. Right now, S&P futures are moving higher. They're up 26 points. Dow futures up 182. NASDAQ futures up 105 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 132nd. Yield 3.08%. Yield on the two-year, 3.01%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by the New York Community Trust. Your name will live on as a champion of the causes you care about for years to come through a charitable bequest to the New York Community Trust. Learn more at philanthropist.nyc. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and this update's brought to you by Informatica in the cloud. Your data has the power to do the extraordinary managed data across any location in the cloud for accurate and actionable insights. More at Informatica.com. Well, the technology sector leading stocks higher this morning. Bonds are holding a rally as investors evaluate economic threats and scale back expectations for inflation and interest rate hikes. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. The futures are higher as P futures up 28 points this morning. Dow futures up 192. Nasdaq futures up 112. The DAX in Germany is up six tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 132nd, yield 3.08 percent, and the yield on the two-year 3.01 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.4 percent, up a dollar 46 at 105 dollars 73 cents a barrel. COMEX gold little changed at 1828.60 an ounce. The euro 1.0542 against the dollar. British pound 1.2287, and the yen is at 134.83. And looking at Bitcoin this morning, up nine tenths of a percent at 20. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Congress is on the verge of approving a $13 billion bipartisan gun violence bill. House approval is expected today on legislation that would be the lawmakers' most sweeping answer in decades. The Senate approved the measure yesterday with 15 Republicans joining Democrats in backing passage. House GOP representatives Matt Gates, Scott Perry, Andy Biggs, Louie Gohmert, and Mo Brooks all contacted White House staffers seeking pardons from Donald Trump, according to video testimony played by the committee investigating the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. In baseball, the Yankees won along with the Orioles. The Giants and A's lost. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Hi, Michael. Thank you. It's 519 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. We have to pass along a, a brief correction here. Earlier, we misidentified one of the guests who spoke with us about the Supreme Court's gun rights decision as Ohio Republican Senator Rob Portman. That guest was actually Republican Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas. We apologize for the mix-up there. But let's talk more about what those lawmakers were actually talking about. Gun rights legislation, a Supreme Court ruling, and 
January 6th hearings that have unveiled more details about the uh, pressure campaign that former President Trump put on his own government on election fraud claims. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins is with us now from the nation's capital. So much going on in Washington, D.C., Emily, including these dueling moves on gun rights we're seeing on Capitol Hill. Let's start off with what's happening uh, with the gun rights legislation. It's moving on to the House now, right? Yes. So the Senate passed it last night. You had 15 Republicans join Democrats in doing so uh, in the most significant gun re- uh, restrictions that Congress has passed since the mid-90s. We are expecting that this bill is going to pass the House today, clearing it to go to President Biden's desk for his signature. Um, however, we don't expect to see a as strong as bipartisan support uh, leadership in Republican leadership, rather, in the House is pushing against this measure. That's really a break from what we saw with Senate leadership. You saw Mitch McConnell go ahead and say that this bill uh, was common sense uh, and really get a number of his members of his party willing to support it, despite groups like the NRA being against it. Um, so there's a, a bit of an interesting divide there. Um, this bill, of course, doesn't go as far as Biden called for, nor does it go as far as Democrats want. Uh, it's, you know, for example, uh, it only expands criminal background checks for buyers under 21 and it gives states funding that could be used to implement red flag laws that allow judges to remove guns from potentially dangerous owners. But states are not required to use that money exactly for that purpose, which is something Republicans were, were pushing for earlier on. Um, another key provision, it does close that boyfriend loophole, which means that a person who's convicted of domestic violence, they are now banned from uh, buying a gun. But it's only for five years after which they're able to purchase firearms again. So you're seeing a lot of compromise here with this measure. Um, and it's something that I think for Democrats part, you saw Chuck Schumer saying that, you know, it's well, it's not a cure all. Uh, he didn't want Democrats to surrender to gridlock. Uh, he said that they had to forge a bipartisan path forward to pass a real bill. And all that said, this is the first major piece of gun rights legislation to move anywhere in Washington in about three decades. And I guess showing sort of the political contrast here is what we saw from the Supreme Court yesterday expanding gun rights in a way that hasn't been seen in more than a decade. Yeah, the 6-3 decision uh, ruled that Americans have a right to carry a handgun outside the home for self-defense. This is really something that the court hasn't weighed in on before and weighed on in this manner. It strikes down a New York law uh, requiring a special need if you want to be carrying a weapon in public. There's similar laws in place in Baltimore and San Francisco. And, and it comes as all of these cities are dealing with higher levels of crime. That's a big concern uh, for a number of these mayors. And this ruling by the Supreme Court limits an option that they could use to try to make sure that there are fewer guns on the street. Of course, now the question is, what restrictions can cities put in place? You saw Justices Kavanaugh, Justices Roberts suggest that it would be possible to limit who can carry a gun in public, but the same standard needs to be applied to everyone. So it can't be for people who have specific jobs, per se. About a minute left here, Emily. Uh, fill us in on the latest from what we heard in the January 6th hearings. We heard from several Justice De- well, former Justice Department officials. Yeah, this last January 6th uh, hearing, it was really focused on how Trump tried to pressure the Justice Department into falsely saying that the 2020 election was stolen. Um, and it really kind of uh, has those uh, pings back to Watergate when you saw Nixon put pressure on his own Justice Department. Um, and you also saw yesterday um, a raid on for Jeffrey Clark, uh, the Trump assistant attorney general. Um, you saw that the, uh, there was a, a raid on his home uh, looking for 
further into that, it's suggesting that not only is the January 6th uh, committee going for, forward in their investigation, but you're also seeing the Justice Department under Biden uh, take a much closer look at what happened on January 6th. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins, thanks as always for keeping us up to speed on what's happening in the nation's capital. As we say, so much going on, lots of developments politically in Washington, D.C. Looking ahead to the uh, market open on Wall Street, uh, more gains potentially as we uh, get ready to round up our uh, first winning week and just about a month here. S&P futures are up 28 points. Dow futures up 199. NASDAQ futures are higher by 107 points. The 10-year Treasury little change now. The three, uh, the 10-year yield is at 3.08% and the yield on the two-year right now, 3.02%. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, partly sunny, low 80s to wrap up the week. It'll be warmer for the weekend, highs in the upper 80s, both tomorrow and Sunday. Right now, 63 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. The first major piece of gun safety legislation in decades has passed the Senate by a wide margin. It now heads to the House, where Texas Republican Kevin Brady says it should get bipartisan support. I think hardening the schools makes good sense. And, and uh, third, I think... Uh, Upping the penalties on those who straw purchase, who are buying mm-hmm. specifically to give to someone, yep. you know, who is ineligible, normally criminals there. You know, I really think that is that is very helpful. Republican Congressman Kevin Brady spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Well, the move comes the same day that the Supreme Court struck down a New York law that required people to show a special need to carry a handgun in public. Meantime, Nathan, ahead of that controversial ruling, confidence in the Supreme Court reached a new low. And we get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. A Gallup poll measuring faith in institutions over 50 years shows many societal pillars are having a bad year. But the 11-point drop for the nation's highest court is about double the decline experienced by other institutions in the survey. Confidence in the Supreme Court this year has slid among Democrats from 30 percent to 13 percent and from 40 to 25 percent among independents. For Republicans, however, the Gallup poll says confidence has risen from 37 to 39 percent. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Now, Renita, thank you. In Europe, Boris Johnson has suffered a major election upset, losing a formerly safe parliament seat in southwest England. In a separate election, Johnson's party was beaten by Labour, raising fresh questions about the prime minister's popularity. 
Well, turning to the markets now, Nathan, futures are higher with stocks on track for their first weekly gain in a month. The S&P 500 has gained more than 3% in this shortened holiday trading week. Wall Street's biggest banks are now set to return tens of billions of dollars to their investors, Karen. They all passed the Federal Reserve's annual test of their ability to withstand market turmoil. And shares of FedEx are higher in early trading. The delivery service company forecast annual earnings that beat analyst estimates. Again, futures are higher this morning. S&P futures have 26 points. Dow futures have 181. And NASDAQ futures have 101. And the 10-year Treasury down 330 seconds, yield 3.10%. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. It's 533 on Wall Street, 63 degrees in Central Park. And service is suspended on the Long Island Railroad's Ronkonkoma branch. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr. What else is going on in New York and around the world? Thank you very much, Nathan. New York lawmakers are reacting to the Supreme Court's ruling striking down the state's century-old law limiting the right to carry a concealed handgun in public. Governor Kathy Ockel says the decision isn't just reckless, it's reprehensible. We have taken away our right to have reasonable restrictions. We can have restrictions on speech. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. But somehow there's no restrictions allowed on the Second Amendment. New York Mayor Eric Adams echoed Governor Hochul's remarks. While we're still analyzing the decision, we can say with certainty, this decision has made every single one of us less safe from gun violence. Mayor Adams says the decision ignores the shocking crisis of gun violence every day engulfing not only New York, but our entire country. Meanwhile, State Republican Committee Chairman Nick Langworthy says Democrats are trying to create fear and division over what he characterizes as legal gun owners' rights to protect themselves and their families. It was one year ago today that a beachfront condo building in Surfside, Florida, collapsed, killing 98 people, including children. Family and friends of the victims gathered at the collapse site for a private vigil at 1.22 a.m. to mark the time the building collapsed. A Long Island Board of Trustees admits it was a wrong decision to ban LGBTQ content from the children's section of a library, including books and displays. The Smithtown Library Board of Trustees apologized and voted last night 4-2 to reverse a previous vote initially banning the content. Complaints by U.S. airline passengers rose dramatically this spring as waves of flight delays and cancellations swept the industry. There were close to 5,100 consumer complaints filed with the Department of Transportation in April, 15% above the prior month. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stanshower. All right, Nathan, make it 15 home wins in a row for the Yankees. It's something they haven't done since 1961. And the 15th, the most dramatic of all. Yankees not only did not lead until the end, they did not have a hit. From Giancarlo Stanton's game-tying three-run homer in the first inning until Aaron Hicks's game-tying three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth. That made the score 6-6. They weren't done against... Ryan Presley of the Astros, Aaron Judge, a walk-off hit, and the Yanks won in stunning fashion. Beat Houston 7-6, quite a start for the four-game series between two teams who both have double-digit leads in their division. Bit of a surprise start the NBA draft at the Barclays Center. Most felt Orlando would take Auburn's Jabari Smith. They instead went with Duke's Paolo Boncaro, first of four from Duke. 
taken in the first round. Oklahoma City stuck with Chet Holmgren, the seven-footer from Gonzaga, and that left Smith for Houston. All three were one-and-dunners in college. Knicks had the 11th pick, traded it to Oklahoma City for some future picks. Knicks also dealt the unhappy Kemba Walker to Detroit. Knicks drafted Duke's Trevor Keels in the second round. The Nets hosted the draft, but they didn't have any picks. Big question of the offseason. Does Kyrie Irving leave Brooklyn? Reportedly, if he does, the Knicks are one of the teams he'd like to play for. And if Kyrie leaves, does that mean the departure of Kevin Durant? Rory McIlroy shot 62 for the opening round lead in Hartford. Arch Manning, third generation of the first family of quarterbacks, son of Cooper, nephew of Peyton and Eli, grandson of Archie, and he's decided to play his college football at Texas. Everyone else in the family except Peyton went to Ole Miss, who painted Manning's name in the end zone at a game last season. It didn't work. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. A plan to charge motorists entering Midtown Manhattan could go into effect as soon as the end of 2023, according to the MTA's chief executive. The MTA, which runs the city subways, buses, and commuter rails, will start building out the sensors, cameras, and other infrastructure needed to launch congestion pricing next year. New York's biggest mall has reached a deal to avoid default. Destiny USA and Syracuse owed $430 million on a couple of mortgage-backed securities that missed a June 6th repayment deadline. Mall owner Pyramid Management says it secured a five-year extension for its loans with flexibility to keep investing in the property. Mystic, Connecticut has become one of the most exciting culinary destinations on the East Coast. Chefs and restaurant operators are seeing Mystic as a more attractive vacation spot to do business than, say, the Hamptons on nearby Long Island. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thank you, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potus, and on KNX in Los Angeles, we're talking about the job acts again swinging at Netflix. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on WHAS in Louisville. FedEx gives a better-than-expected profit outlook on higher package prices. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the double defeat for Boris Johnson after his party lost two elections and the Conservative Party chairman quit. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting regulators have cleared the way for consumers' energy to stop burning coal by 2025. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. President Joe Biden and his allies in Congress are rightly concerned about surging prices. But the president's ideas for lowering inflation have been either beside the point or simply counterproductive. For example, he has again called for a brief gas tax holiday. The savings from this would be modest and at least partly self-defeating because it would increase gas demand, serving to push prices back up. There are better ways to fight inflation. For example, a moderate but broadly based effort to roll back so-called national security tariffs and other trade barriers could knock a percentage point off the inflation rate. While this wouldn't totally solve the problem of rising prices, it would at least reduce the pressure American consumers are feeling. And for Democrats nervously eyeing the midterm elections, it might even pay off politically. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion. 
or OPI and Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. You can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures right now are up 24 points. Dow futures up 175. NASDAQ futures higher by 96 points. Futures pointing to more gains, setting us up potentially for the first weekly gain for stocks in about a month. Right now, the 10-year Treasury is down 132nd. The yield, 3.09%. We talk more about this market next with Jonathan Golub, Chief U.S. Equity Strategist at Credit Suisse. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather turning partly sunny today with highs in the low 80s. We'll be in the upper 80s tomorrow and the next day with clouds increasing by Sunday. Right now, 63 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And the technology sector is leading stocks higher this morning. And bonds, they're a little change. Investors evaluating economic threats and scale back expectations for inflation and interest rate hikes. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up about 27 points. Dow futures up 188. And Nasdaq futures up 104. The DAX in Germany is up six-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury, little change. Yield 3.08 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 3.01 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.3 percent. Up $1.33 at $105.61 a barrel. COMEX gold, this little change at $1,829 an ounce. The euro, 1.0547 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2302. And the yen is at 134.99. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. The U.S. Senate voted 65-33 to approve bipartisan gun safety legislation that is hailed as the biggest breakthrough on the issue in three decades. The vote came the same day the Supreme court struck down a New York law that required people to show a special need to carry a handgun in public. The death toll from a devastating earthquake in Afghanistan continued to climb days after it turned brick and stone homes into rubble. State media reports the quake has killed 1,150 people and injured some 3,000. In baseball, the Yankees won along with the Orioles. The Giants and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Karen. All right, Michael, thank you. Well, it's 548 on Wall Street. Time for our daily Bloomberg Law Brief, exploring legal issues in the news. And today we're looking at yesterday's big Supreme Court decision. As we've been reporting, a divided court struck down a New York law that limited who could carry a handgun in public, issuing a landmark ruling that could mean more guns on the streets of big cities. The 6-3 decision marks the first time the court has said the Second Amendment protects gun rights outside the home. For more on the decision, Bloomberg's June Grant also speaks to Adam Winkler, a professor at UCLA Law School. We anticipated this after the oral arguments, but what's your reaction? Well, I think the court's ruling is even broader than many people expected, that the court not only strikes down New York's May issue permitting, but articulates a new test for all Second Amendment challenges 
that will be used to call into question a wide variety of gun laws, including some key provisions of the Senate gun bill. Justice Thomas, who wrote the majority opinion, said, quote, only if a firearm regulation is consistent with this nation's historical tradition may a court conclude that the individual's conduct falls outside the Second Amendment's unqualified command. So what's the framework for judges? What did the founders think? No, I think what the courts suggest is that future courts must look to historical patterns of gun regulation. And only those gun regulations that have historical antecedents in the 17 and 1800s are constitutionally permissible. This really calls into question a wide variety of gun laws. For instance, red flag laws have no precedence in the 17 and 1800s. Also, restrictions on domestic violence misdemeanors being prohibited from possessing firearms. So I think this opinion saddles lawmakers and prevents them from attempting innovative, novel approaches to solving the public safety problem of guns. The governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, said something to the effect of this law is 100 years old. Isn't that old enough for the Supreme Court? And the New York law has a long history here. Well, the court says we're going to look to history and tradition, but really picks and chooses which history matters. The court dismisses old English common law as being too old and too ancient to tell us much about the Second Amendment. The court also dismisses any laws that were adopted after the late 1800s, saying that those laws are too young and can't reflect the original understanding of the Second Amendment. And when the court finds laws in the special period of the 17 and 1800s that restricted concealed carry, the court says that those laws were just outliers and shouldn't be taken to be the general attitude about guns and gun regulation. Indeed, the court says that shall issue permitting regimes are constitutionally permissible, but we didn't have shall issue permitting regimes at all in the 17 and 1800s. So the court says, let's do history and tradition but really picks and chooses the history that it wants and rejects the history that is inconvenient. And that's Adam Winkler, professor at UCLA Law School, speaking with the Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. Nathan. All right, Karen, thank you. It is now 5.52 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's turn now to what's happening in this market with futures poised for the first weekly gain for stocks in about a month. Let's bring in Jonathan Golub now, Chief U.S. Equity Strategist at Credit Suisse Securities. Jonathan, good morning. Is this what capitulation looks like? Oh, you know, I, I, I don't know if, if I would call it capitulation, but, um, you know, you're seeing the, you know, the earnings are, are picking, you know, are continue to, to do well. Expectations are rising even though the market is, is falling. The market has gotten a, a whole lot cheaper. And you're also seeing, um, interest rates have been coming down, which means the cost of capital for stocks, um, is, um, is becoming more moderate. So um, that's that's a positive, and it's some it's a story that probably isn't getting enough attention. Do you expect, though, for interest rates to continue coming down when we do have central banks focused on raising their prime rates and bringing down inflation? 
you know, it, it's it's an interesting thing about markets that they tend to, or economics, it tends to be self-correcting. So the Fed um, tightens financial conditions. You, you're starting to see um, some some weakness in things like housing. And what happens? It pushes interest rates down on um, in general. The ten-year bond yields come down comes down a little bit. And, 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 it, and it gives the market a little bit uh, of a lift. So um, it, this is not um, unusual that you would see that as the Fed continues to push rates higher, that, that it does reach some natural um, limit and, and you start to see easing elsewhere. Is the uh, bond market getting this right, though? Should the markets be anticipating uh, further aggressive rate moves by this Fed? Well, the Fed is surely telling you that they're going to be super aggressive at addressing inflation. And what the market is telling you is if the economy starts to respond to the Fed, that the Fed is likely to back off. And whether that's true or not, we will see. But the question that everybody, all all the really smart money is now asking the question is if the economy starts taking on a little bit of – you know, if the you know if the economic boat, if you will, takes on a little bit of water, if things are slow down a little bit, does the Fed keep you know full steam ahead and you know and and pushing down on inflation, or do they begin to ease up a little bit, trying to create that soft landing, and um, and and ultimately um, that gives the market a little bit of a bounce. We're coming into this trading day with the S&P 500 just shy of a 3,800 handle. Are you changing where you see the benchmark ending this year? No, we're pretty optimistic on how the the benchmark ends the year. Um, You know, the the big story, as I mentioned before, uh, first of all, the the absolute big story is that while we, we clearly believe that there is a recession on the horizon, there's always a recession on the horizon. We don't think that it plays out in the next six to 12 months. And as a result, we think that the earnings come in um, pretty strongly. Um, we're, we're seeing that all year long from from January 1st to today, the earnings um, outlook is increased by 7 to 8%. That's a, that's a really healthy number. And yet multiples have come down by 30% because of inflation and the Fed's fighting of that inflation. Um, and so we, we do think that we get a, a very, you know, healthy balance between now and the end of the year. Are those earning expectations for you across the board or are certain sectors uh, likelier to outperform than others? Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're clearly you're seeing more of that in the energy sector than you would normally expect because oil prices are higher and materials in general, I would say that's a similar theme. Um, big tech, the, the big five tech companies in general have been pretty disappointing. And the, the financials have some funky accounting going on, which is hurting their earnings, even though their business models are doing okay. And that has to do with the way that they account for potential future losses and the reversal of those uh, last year. But um, I would say is those more cyclical areas and energy and and materials have have been the darlings on this. Um, And it's interesting when many of these defensive stocks like in utilities and staples that have done really well have become very, very expensive, and their outlook for earnings – is extremely modest both for 2022 and 23, and so if they're getting bid up and their outlook for earnings is weak, um, we think that those are less attractive right now. 
Thanks for this, Jonathan. Great having you on with us this morning. Jonathan Golub, Chief U.S. Equity Strategist at Credit Suisse Securities. Right now, S&P futures are up 28 points. Dow futures up 198. NASDAQ futures higher by 111 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 132nd. The yield, 3.08%. Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher-level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.